From Electric Forest Radio, this is Forest Today. And it did all start with Forest, like Forest being able to have that capability of contests and inviting people to be creative and just try it out. Like, it's so important. You need to have, you need to give that kind of opportunity to people because it is luck a lot of the time in the business. And if you, if people aren't creating opportunities for someone to be lucky, to have a chance, it just becomes way harder for someone then to shine or like make it. That's Natalia Janis, co-owner of Dark Moon Designs. She and co-owner Paul are guests on the show today. You may not recognize the name Dark Moon Designs, but if you've been to Electric Forest in the past, you've certainly seen and likely interacted with one of the installations they've built, most notably the ocular organ or the coveted centerpiece design of EF 2022 called Timeless. What's really fascinating about their story is the fact that so much of their success today is thanks to their participation in the plug-in program's art installation sponsorship in 2016. Their business and careers have exploded in recent years, and today they fabricate art for some of the biggest names in electronic music. Artists like Odessa, Grizz, Two Friends, and even brands like Disney. I caught up with Natalia and Paul last September as they were on their way to set up a custom-made installation for Odessa's two-night run in Denver. I'll share that full conversation next, but first, for more episodes of Forest Today like this, plus the Brainery Hour, exclusive DJ mixes, and live set recordings from the festival, don't forget to search for and subscribe to the Electric Forest Radio Podcast wherever you get your podcast, or visit electricforest.com slash radio. I'm Natalia Janis. I'm the founder of Dark Moon Designs and co-owner. My name is Paul Thomas, uh, co-owner of Dark Moon Designs. Let's talk about the beginnings of your involvement with Electric Forest. You've had a number of installations there over the years, including a very prominent one in 2022. But how did you get started? Yeah, I have been visiting Electric Forest I visited in 2015, I want to say, and I think either 2016 and 2014, but I'm from Chicago originally, so Electric Forest was always this festival that everyone went to from the Midwest, Yep. and at the time, I was working with my good friend Tyler Ellis, who programs the Accurate Organ every year now, and he's with us every year. I was working with him at a warehouse, and we both were just a creative pair so we went to this supposedly interactive exhibit elsewhere and we started bouncing ideas of how to actually make something really interactive and exciting and we knew that electric forest had this plug-in program where you could bounce ideas off and propose anything so we just got really excited the two of us and submitted an idea after some small testing which was essentially a piano that when you play it triggers a bunch of lights tyler is a huge lighting wizard like he lives and breathes lights still to this day Mm -hmm. (laughs) so he was geeking out and um yeah with us working at a warehouse we also had the tools and the right support system to kind of bring it all together and bring fixtures out to forest and i think the festival was like yeah 
let's see, like, let's see what happens. And I think 2016 was the first year we brought the organ in and it was pretty shocking all around. Yeah. Did you have any idea it would become such a high visibility piece? No, I did not. Um, it was clear that it was successful the first year and that we would be back in the following yeah. years to come. What was funny though, and we did really well with the organ and then we had to make some legal hoops and the company was then birthed for Electric Forest. Wow. And then as the years went on with the organ, it just, it was always this more of a passion project first. Sure. And um, it really, in the last two years, we really picked up DMD as an actual company and it you know blew up into fabrication and scenic stuff and the organ was really the start of it all but it's just really funny because in the first three years of DMD I would have been like oh yeah you know do art installs yeah yeah (laughs) and then I do my other job but now it's more like oh no DMD is now my job yeah that's what it is uh tell me about the other installations you've had over the years you've had there was a second and then a third right or just two 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 interactive ones and then we did the centerpiece this year um yeah we did the drum circle which was like a wild child bunch of these seven drums um and that was just another prototype of an idea to get people playing with items and that one was always hilarious because you have an idea you think about it in one lane of thought and then we brought it in and another friend of ours came by and was like what is it like to have your art just get beaten up Mm. and like smacked and punched and meant to be hit yeah and i was like i don't know but now that i'm here and seeing 20 people (laughs) like just smack all these things i like it's a little nerve-wracking but you just don't even think about it you're like thinking about this concept yeah. But the drums were really cool, and Paul came in with the drums. You were there the first year. Yeah, refresh my memory on what that looked like. And, and what year was that? Twenty. It was 2018 yeah. that we brought in the first uh, iteration of the drums. And I didn't help build it. You actually built it all. Um, and then I came in and just helped install it. But it was just basically wood, 4x4 four four posts, and plywood all nailed together. And... I mean, it was kind of a last minute sort of a thing, if I can say that, just because it was like, oh, hey, you got the plug-in installation grant like yeah. 30 days before the show. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, but, you know, you guys really put it together and did a great job and made the whole system that is underlying for all these things to have sensors and interact and, you know, be able to function properly. There's seven drums, um, and then within each of the drums is... The, the top of the drum is an acrylic dome, and that's what you hit, and that's what causes the interaction and the sound to play. Within each one of those domes is a world, a miniature world that we mm. built. So in later iterations, we would build all these custom worlds, and they could be anything from abstract art to a little miniature fairyland or, I mean, all kinds of stuff. We did that for different festivals, too. Now I remember what it, <laughs> what it was. For, for, for a second, I thought... Wait a minute, do I remember this install? But know, yeah. The drums definitely got a little swept under the rug in the last few years because we did rebuild them. They're now steel drums with more um, prominent worlds. In fact, if you ever to 
visit our shop, we actually have all the old drum worlds stacked on the oh, wall. Oh, nice. Which is hilarious. Because <laughs> every time a client nowadays comes in, they're like, what is that? Yeah. It's like, oh, it's our making of the company. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, right now the drums are, I would say, out of commission a little bit. They're sitting in a corner. We've been meaning to rebuild them and like give some new love and programming into them. You learn so much in just yeah. a year. So with all of our projects, once we build it, by the time we're done, we're always like, oh my God, we should have done this instead. Uh-huh. Or, oh, now we know this new program suddenly, which would have right. been perfect to know two months ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah, no. they exist. They just need some TLC. Yeah. Were they in the forest? This Okay. No. So. Yeah, I think this year we got the centerpiece and then the organ was rolled in with it. And just with those two things alone, it was like a huge... Enough. <laughs> it was to enough. keep yourself busy. Yeah. So let's talk about the centerpiece. How do you win that yeah. kind of placement? And then what was the process of developing and producing that? Yeah, the centerpiece, to get the centerpiece, it's definitely more of a... It's a higher proposal process, I guess. Um it's similar to the plugin program. You know, you submit proposals, which has an idea, the like a sketch concept, and in general, a budget, like what it's going to cost, what it does, what it means for Forest. Then you just you get through the you go through this contest essentially, and a couple of calls. But this year, because we've been at Forest so many times, we knew that this year going in, we're like, this is the year we would do the centerpiece. Mm. Like this is the year we're going to apply for it, mm. and just go after it because we feel like we're we're bounds like way farther in our skill set than we were in 2019 and yeah back in winter generally like talks of art start around december january february back then we just reached out and we were like we want it we want to propose a bunch of stuff and they were like yes propose away like we'll go through it all and we tried to kind of give respect to the 10-year reunion do mm-hmm. something a little different on the path something that's a little bit more abstract and i think it was it was crazy <laughs> yeah how, so how, how did it feel to actually get that placement it was crazy i like you know five years ago four years ago all all my time going through forest i think at this this year 2022 it was the organs fifth year and it was my personal like seventh or eighth year there and every year being there it was like we want to do the centerpiece we want to do the centerpiece this is going to be the top thing that we ever do in our lives (laughs) 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 and so this year rolled around and we we got a lot of green lights on our idea and we were like oh my god we're gonna get it yeah um it's crazy and when we actually did get it it was just insane it was you know The idea we presented was huge. It was very ambitious and it was our biggest piece yet. So when we were confirmed, like there was excitement, but then there was that essence of, oh, okay. Like now we have to do this. Yeah. Now we have to actually do this and get drafting and really make sure it works and put a lot more work into like seeing how it's going to be built. So, yeah. So if folks weren't, at this year's festival and didn't get a chance to see this in action. Were you able to 
sort of describe what this was? Yeah, so it's it was largely a metal sculpture. It was 34 feet tall at its highest point. And it was based off this idea of like a of a gyroscope and like watch like a old watch where you could see all the gears. So there's all it's made of all these rings up top and the widest ring is about 16 feet wide. Um, and it's this massive ring with inner rings inside that hold these acrylic depictions, sort of cathedral style. Mm-hmm. And then there's additional two secondary big rings that kind of are at an angle to it, uh, giving it an essence of movement within the whole piece. And then this entire, all the all these circles were posted up on this nice thick steel base stem it was very it looked very top heavy the whole design Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. um so it was pretty funny to just kind of play around with different materials within it so that it just it all worked out but it it was a very abstract piece the the acrylic depictions were all depictions of the forest in Mm -hmm. certain ways in an art nouveau style and then dead center of the main ring there was a stag uh carved out of acrylic it's kind of like a stained glass thing sure um but yeah the piece was called timeless um and we really wanted to just present a piece that really was what it titles what its title said you know just something that no one's ever really seen before i mean when even when we were building it in the shop we were like oh my god like (laughs) it's crazy how how long does it take to create something like this uh, we started designing Timeless in, um, well, we, we had the ideas for a bunch of different centerpiece I- ideas for months and months before we even started the proposal process. Then we started kind of talking about proposing something in November before this year, and then we started designing it in January or February. And then we actually proposed it, then we got approved in March. Then we were building it from March all the way through right before we shipped it to Electric Forest. So that entire time, it took up our pretty much our entire shop, which, by the way, only has 10-foot ceilings. Oh. So the okay. whole thing was built in pieces and horizontally. So actually, wow. when, when we shipped this huge 34-foot-tall structure, which weighed 3,000 pounds, it was all in separate pieces that we had to then assemble on site via boom lifts and a forklift lull and sometimes two and three <laughs> at once so yeah and then when you're on site how long does it take to actually build and assemble and get this presentable yeah on on site um we arrived about a week early before the festival or two weeks before the festival began because we also had to load in the uh, the organ oh, right. after yep. so we started with that, timeless that little thing too yeah, yeah. we started with timeless and it took us about five days to really load it in start to finish. And then there were some electrical things that I had to take care of up in a boom lift. But overall, assembly-wise, about four days, I would say. So is that something we would expect to still see in the forest in future years? Or is that just... How does yeah. that work? So with the centerpiece, what's really cool about Electric Forest is they buy the centerpiece ah. they purchase it it's it's a commission piece so they own it technically got it but they then recycle it in the forest every year so all of the big structures you see in the forest like the clockwork tower lady vine queen of the forest caravan 
uh, they were all past centerpieces right. in the years past. Bell Tower was one of the first as well. Yep. So they are going to be putting up Timeless again, but essentially they have the right to change it up or only put up half of it. They gotcha. might only put up the rings or something. Sure. But yeah, it will still exist and be out there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what they do for 2023. Um, and I wanted to mention too, for the load-in, because our shop is so small at the moment and the piece was so big, we actually did not see it fully assembled until we were at Forest. Wow. So Paul and I, like especially on the second or third day of load-in where we were adding a lot of height before yeah. we could lock it out, we were very nervous. Yeah, gosh. It's like you're testing your design and your theoreticals and yeah, yeah. Wow. it worked out. <laughs> yeah. D- did anything, um, you know, are you changing things on the fly as you're building that just clearly didn't work the way you thought it would? So something Paul and I have learned from doing our business is to draft everything and then go off the drafting. No matter what, like go off the drafting. It's mm. meant to be, you know, you're meant to look at it so that you don't like make an obstacle for yourself down the road. Yeah. Although we did swap the two secondary rings at one point in the build because we were fitting up everything horizontally and like we ended up just putting them we swapped them and we we're like fine we'll remember but then we were on site and we had that coupler remember and the coupler was mirrored so when we went up there to lock all that all of it together it was opposite of what the other rings were mm-hmm. doing and we were like oh god so we had to cut that piece on site and re-weld it and it was a thing it was like the final piece to go in and we ran into this roadblock and we were like oh my god yeah (laughs) but that was like the one time we deviated from the drafting and then it bit us right at the end right yeah (laughs) but paul and i are pretty pretty strict about it because even when you have a drafting or if you're if you're building anything custom and I, i think a lot of people can agree you have a plan and your plan has big steps in them, but there's maybe 20 to 30 mini steps between each of those. And those little steps are what you have to figure out on the fly. Mm. So we might have like a task where it's like, you know, weld these items up. Oh, that sounds easy. But then you actually start to get, go over that to them and weld them. And then they're like, oh, well that's not fitting or this doesn't match up. So we have to now do this. Or like that hole got covered now, now we have to do that. So there's a lot of little changes throughout the builds. And I think that's just natural. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about the artist community at Electric Forest and how that has uh, supported you and allowed you to grow. And Yeah, it is super tight knit. Um, the first year the organ came in, we won the plug-in contest alongside Mark and Jen who do the ferry doors. And then the guys that do the, the mirror balls, I forgot what they called it, Jackson and his team. But since that year, we've all been very close-knit, especially with Jen and Mark. Like, they go every year with the ferry doors, and it's just... I have a text group chat with them on my phone all the time. We just talk about whatever. When I used to live in Chicago, I would visit them once a year just to hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're all super 
close-knit and every year that proposals process happens like we all kind of rekindle the friendship and we're like what are you doing next year like yeah. what's going on yeah. um and just even outside of that like this year going to forest forest in general is this big like mecca of production folks and artists and everyone just seems to be there when you're there so Outside of just the artists who bring in all the art, a lot of our friends who do lighting or do just production work for a lot of music artists, they all arrive. And it's just this one big gathering of like, oh my God, you're here? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just this giant playground and you want to like show everyone everything at once. Um, advice you would give to people who maybe you six years ago who are thinking about proposing something through the plug-in program. Yeah, my advice would be... <laughs> <laughs> They're ready to throw out all kinds go. of... My first bit of advice to someone who's thinking about proposing something to put in the forest is to truly understand that there are going to be 40,000 people walking past, touching, mm. interacting with your pieces. Yep. We have to worry about that with the ocular organ where people are playing piano and walking on the stage and touching the back and possibly breaking things and then the drums people were literally leapfrogging over the drums one oh, wow. night but keep in mind people are going to be walking past this and doing all sorts of stuff you're not going to yeah. know and you can't watch it 24 7 so it has to be built for that yeah durability yeah. the other thing i will add on top of durability against humans and human adult children yeah um <laughs> is that it will be dusty and possibly mm. rainy and dirty and muddy and you have to take that into account too it takes it wreaks havoc on electronics right so if you're building something electronic then you got to think about that yeah. mark and jen actually do a great job with the fairy doors they do a really good job of making everything extremely durable and even they have problems sometimes but they learn from it sure so i think to some advice in general with proposing something to forest or if you're wanting to do art installs with any event is really being able to visualize every single step of the process so not just the fabrication but also when you're on site what does that look like like what do you need to make your job successful and so you can be in so you can be efficient by yourself or with your team electric forest is a huge festival they have a massive amounts of staff but there's also so many tasks that need to be done yep. from every department right so i found that like and this is just with every client where you don't want to be bothering your boss or supervisor if you don't need to be yep. like there are some things you need to ask for like machines and stuff or general questions of can i drill into this ground or whatever but ultimately like being able to walk in and be like yeah i have my ladder or oh no i know exactly how it's gonna go and you're able to be quiet on radio and get your job done is very well appreciated by anyone who's hiring you or looking at your st proposal. So if you were to propose anything, like putting in a section of exactly how it would be installed or loaded out, just, you know, the cr maybe a creative person might not read into it, but then there's an operational person who's like, I like this. Like, they know what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So just be learning to be efficient and proactive with your work and also just visualizing it from start to finish. I mean, that's a tactic of mine with, when I, with every job we do. It's like, how is it going to look 
on show day. How's the loading going to look? How's the loadout going to look? Because for me, I just like need to know what's happening and sure. my timeline. Yeah. Speaking on that, what you just said, um, visualizing it from start to finish, I think it's also important to note that if you do get picked for the plugin program or any thing like this at any festival it's important to think about the teammates you're going to bring on too because they're going to be with you from start to finish as well you need to get along you need to get along in really harsh environments where yeah. you might be camping yeah. where you might have to cook for yourself or you might be hungry or you wake up early and it's a thousand degrees in your tent right you know you really it's something that a lot of people don't really consider when you're going into working at a festival. It's different when you're camping and you could just have fun and party and sleep in. It's yep. a it's a whole different story when you have to actually be on schedule and delegate work to people. So you, you talked about your company expanding and, and exploding in the last couple of years. I, I guess I'm just, I would like to emphasize how Electric Forest has sort of been a, a jumping point or just such yeah. an important part of your journey and then maybe talk a little bit about you know what else you are working on these days yeah so i think i mentioned that dark moon designs was created solely because of the organ to then jump through some legal hoops for forest and then uh it just it existed so then it kind of became the backboard of all of our art installs for forests for other festivals and we became known as an art installation company but really in 2022 wait no 2021 last year yeah we yeah we got a call from someone within our circles of lighting and he just was like yeah we have this thing that needs to be built but my friend mentioned you guys you guys build the organ like how it comes apart and stuff and we're like yeah like we're, we're known for making stuff more portable and just easier to build and because we want an easier job on site mm-hmm. he's like great like well i'm working for grizz and he wants these rings uh remade and stuff and like there's this other thing that we it's kind of gaining traction but we'll talk in person this guy is named kyle kyle keegan from voyage productions and we met with him, and at that point, this tree was a bigger thing that Grant Grizz, he wanted for his Rainbow Brain movie. Mm. And so we were like, yeah, like, you know, we could do this. We could build a tree. We can make all of it LED and stuff, no problem. And it, it actually happened. Like, we got the job. We built this tree, which forced us to get a shop because oh. this tree required all of our skills it required foam carving epoxy pouring led it was huge it was it was huge at the time it was 13 feet tall and i think even wider than it was tall yeah and we were like we need to get a shop like we need to we can't be working out of our garage anymore Mm. so we found a shop very fast within like half a month and then started working on this tree and it was proving to be very successful. It was super successful. And then it, it was kind of the job that made the company just get a bigger reputation. Because then ever, ever since that Grizz Tree, we've just been called again mm. for other shows. And like we did stuff for String Cheese, for a custom metal fab for them. And then Kyle still calls us a bunch for all of the stuff. Kyle's based in Denver, so mm. 
you know, for scenic shops, you'll find a lot of them in L.A., Chicago, and New York, because that's kind of where those hot spots are. Yeah. But we find that in Denver, it's like, there are theaters here. There's, like, theatrical scenic shops, but there's not necessarily a a scenic shop for music or live events. Or And, and you're doing this full-time now, or you still are also working other jobs? Yeah, so across the last year, it's been... I would say DMD has been the primary job we've okay. had. Definitely, like it, DMD like shoved itself in its yeah. primary position. Yeah. <laughs> like every time we tried to like back off, it would be like, nope. Here's, um, yeah. And then we have, we still work a few other jobs. Like you work at Red Rocks for a camera operator and hmm. I, I'm actually a lighting director at the Boulder Theater and the Fox Theater. Okay. But I think very soon, like, this year by the end of the year we're probably going to just be on dmd because now this summer was really big for us we did the centerpiece um we did a lot of work for odessa which was huge we just also put out a a whole set for a disney kids tour okay and like already we're i think we have three other projects this month bubbling so it's proving to be like all right, like we actually just need to focus now all the time on this and anything we don't, anything else we focus on, it tends to brush up against our work for DMD and it turns out to be a little bad. <laughs> and the production community, so like all the lighting community, they're so tight knit. So like the moment we had a successful job with Kyle, all the other lighting people were like, okay, you guys got it now. You guys can do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So now every time they have creative calls with their artists, they're like, well, I know a person. Mm. And then every time we have a successful job that leaves the shop, it's just, just, it's just more like affirming for someone to call us again. Yeah. Uh, how, how do you learn to do this stuff? Do you, is it self-taught? Are you, are you, is there yeah. an educational background or? We're always learning. I want to, I will say, but I have a background in theater. I, like, my beginnings with Scenic have been in high school. I was on stage crew where we built sets. And what's funny is I actually hated building sets Mm. in stage crew. Like, I only wanted to do lighting. My whole background is mainly in lighting. Okay. I went to college at DePaul at the theater school for lighting design and theater, where I was in a conservatory program with other students who were scenic designers or technical directors. So I was always around it. During college, the organ was was there, it was existing. And with how it panned out, like just building the organ time and time again, I was like, well, I need to weld now. I need to learn how to weld to weld the organ frame. So I learned how to weld. And, and just as the art installs required more skills, we just learned them as we went along. Um, once you're in it, you're kind of in it. You can only go forward. And Paul it has more of a carpentry background. And just in general, from the last few years, we both have progressed in our areas of fabrication. So I focus mainly on metalworking, welding. Paul's a lot more carpentry and just other crazy stuff that's not metal. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say you're also the welding captain, the shop captain at a makerspace near us. So you teach other people how to weld, which is something like you learned how to weld, then you tinkered with it, then you got better and we did projects with it and then you learned your mistakes and oh, those welds cracked. We got to fix that. 
So you got better and better and better. You took some classes, and now you're actually teaching people how to sort of how to weld or how to use machines and get certified for things. Tinker Mill actually in Longmont, where we're based, is a maker space that's one of the biggest in the country, and mm. it's a place we utilize heavily for our fabrication. We have a CNC machine there. We have a laser cutter there. We have the welding bay. We learned how to 3D print, how to 3D print there, and now mm. we have several 3D printers of our own. It's just one of those uh, fabrication and, and design is one of those things that you just pick up over time. I think. And then you find your interests and you get better and better and better. And then you find even deeper avenues to go down. Like we learn about resins and epoxies and there's this great place in Denver that sells all that stuff and they have a knowledgeable staff. You find a need for it. Then you learn about it. People tell you all the niche things about it and then you experiment and you get better. That's kind of how it goes. I tell this to a lot of people I teach welding. It's like the best way to learn is to have the need. So Mm -hmm. if you have a project or you make yourself have a project, you have that motivation then to finish it and you will figure it out essentially how to get it done. And that's how we've learned. Can you talk at all what you've done for Odessa? Yeah. So this summer we worked on some more prop stuff for Odessa we did the drums. So they had acrylic drums already made by Dynasty, but then we put LEDs in them and made a whole wireless system. We designed all that and then in- integrated all their drums at our shop with all this LED and wireless stuff and helped make sure that the programming was correct. And then we also made the masks that the drum line wears. Mm. Um, and that was just a, that's more like a prop, but we made 16 masks for them off of a model that they gave us. Like this is the model we have from another 3D artist. Can you print this? Can you make it wearable? And that was pretty fun. It was a big costume-esque level uh, job that we had. Did you ever think you would be doing anything that you're doing right now? We never saw this coming. I think that we both understand each other and we both understand that we're very driven people and we are both very creative, but you kind of have to have a little bit of luck involved in all this too. I mean, you have to be in the right place at the right time. You have to be successful in the work that you produce. So if you're going to put something at a festival, it has to survive and look good and take photos well, and then that has to take off. There's some things that we've done that haven't taken off and some things have blown up bigger than we thought they ever would. And and part of it is just kind of like taking advantage of the roller coaster that you're on, taking advantage of the time that you're in and and rolling with it. I mean, there's there's projects that we've done that aren't really seen very often that I love more than anything. We did this thing for um, Bruce Fest, the Evil Dead film festival and the evil dead has like a cult following but they do this thing at the stanley hotel up in estes park and we just built them a yeah through blacking presents blacking presents got in touch with us and asked us to build a step and repeat of the cabin from evil dead Mm. and all it was supposed to be was people would take pictures in front of it and stuff and bruce campbell was there and it was just like a totally random thing off the wall but it's one of the most fun things we've ever done because it was just creative and you could learn how to foam carve with it and you know 
explore things with a little bit lower pressure, but also have a great time and deliver something awesome for the fans that are there that are diehard fans, you know? Yeah, I don't, I really did not expect to be at this point with the business. I will say, though, that my goals have already changed. Uh (laughs) Like, already, the centerpiece used to be the biggest thing Mm -hmm. I could imagine. It's now in our, it's happened. And now that we're focusing more on tours and stuff, I'm like, I actually asked you this the other day, like, who's on your list of artists that you want to work for? Oh, man. And I will say, I want to work with um, Justice, if they ever want Scenic. (laughs) (laughs) And then, oh, my God, I would love, I think a top artist that would be great to work for is Cardi B. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they both agree. (laughs) (laughs) I just know that she'd have some whack stuff. Yeah. But... So yeah, my goals are already like changing and I'm reassessing. As far as goals are concerned, I'm not going to say my dream artists to work with, but I will say that over the past year, two years, we've kind of started, as we said before, we have weaned off of our other jobs because of Dark Moon Design. It's starting to take over our lives. But that also means that you have to think about how the business is going to support you in the future. When we want to buy a house or land or expand our shop or buy new tools that are fifty thousand dollars, we have to think about how that's gonna how that's gonna work and how we're gonna support that and how to get new clients and keep them and so that's that's been a growing process and we talk about that all the time. Mm-hmm. Those kind of goals, those kind of realistic, tangible goals that we need to have in mind. Yeah, and going off that, I do think Paul and I both have a goal where we do want to be a big scenic shop in Denver. That's has a big crew and a big staff of departments of like woodworking, welding and stuff. So we could just push through a bunch of tours, but we want to be so big. So then we could support like new, like fresh people who are exploring this area of career. Cause it really is something that's been, you don't learn about it in school. You kind of fall into this area and Paul and I are always saying like how beneficial it is that we know so so much random stuff from this job Mm -hmm. and I think like a lot of people would benefit from knowing what you can do and it Mm. is creative and it is exciting and it's hands-on and rewarding when you see a finished product go out or when it's on stage and I just want to be able to offer that for people growing up or kind of having interest in that realm I mean I think it also stems from like teaching at the makerspace like people just it's funny how much people don't know what's out there. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a job. And they're like, what? Really? And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get paid a lot for that. Right. Um, but we do have big goals to grow the company in order to kind of be able to hold growth for other individuals. I don't know. I just always find that pretty important in general. Yeah. But Any other thoughts on Electric Forest or anything else? Oh, man. I don't even know. I, it's just funny, like, having this conversation with you because it's only been four years. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I can't even imagine what it'll be in another four years. Right. <laughs> I know. I, as I was watching things unfold on Instagram, I just it's, thought, I can't believe what I'm seeing, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, and just knowing where you started and that I'm going to a show tonight and yeah. one of the major elements is something you crafted. So it's just, it's yeah, just really it's, cool to see. And it did all start with Forrest, like Forrest being able to have that capability of contests and, and inviting people to be creative and 
just try it out. Like it's so important. You need to have, you need to give that kind of opportunity to people because it is luck a lot of the time in the business. And if you, if people aren't creating opportunities for someone to be lucky, to have a chance, it just becomes way harder for someone then to shine or like make it. Like there are very big moments where Paul and I were like, holy cow, we are very lucky that that happened or like that we met this person or, you know, like this timing worked out and Forrest is one of those things for us. And in return, we want to be big enough so that we could give that back to people like us five years ago. I think electric forest for me is I started going in 2013 as a patron and I hadn't been to other festivals like Lollapalooza and stuff, which are more city festivals, not camping festivals. And it, totally changed my perspective on reality and just life and what I wanted to do. And I know thousands and thousands of people will say the exact same thing because that's one of the main draws of this festival. I, I just, I'm always thankful that I had to, that I had these experiences and had the opportunity to volunteer. And I even played the gongs for a few years. Mm -hmm. Like, such crazy, crazy experiences that I will love to look back on 40 years from now. Who knows where we'll be or what will become of Electric Force at that time. But these these years that we've spent there and these people that we've met through the festival are so cherished. And I will always, always be thankful to Electric Force for that. Everything builds off of everything that comes before it. In fact, Odessa talks about that a lot about building off of the past mm-hmm. and and taking those experiences in and really cherishing them and building something new from them. So I, I think Electric Four has really taught me that. Amazing. Well, thank you very much for taking time. I know you have to run. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's always been a pleasure to talk with you and just to reflect. Life is very fast moving, so. Thanks to Natalia and Paul for making time to share their story with me. I can't wait to see what they do next. That's it for today. I'm your host, Kent Otto. As always, in addition to this podcast, you can tune in anytime to the EF Radio 24-7 live stream to hear live sets from the festival, artist radio shows, and so much more. To listen to EF Radio Live and find a full schedule of programming, plus links to more episodes of this podcast, visit electricforest.com slash radio. (laughs) 